waiting on this. I've been waiting too. What's going on, people? It's your boy Izzy. It's your boy Taz. And this is the Taz and Izzy Show. We have a a very special day today as Donald Trump is in town. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I don't I don't think I would ever imagine myself being in a time period where Donald Trump is in the same city as me. I don't know, it's kinda it's weird because it's like I, I do want to see him. I know people don't want to see him, but I actually want to see him. Like, yeah. I can't lie. I, I just pray that you know there's there's no um, there's no threats, there's no assaults, there's no assassination attempts. Yeah, I mean all that stuff. Yeah, enforcement is crazy. I can't lie. And everyone, literally every, the whole Hampshire, enforcement. <laughs> so I don't know. It's kind of it's weird. Cool. But I do want to see him. I mean, I read his book, his bar- autobiography. Okay. And it was with, it was it was so wavy, bro. Well, we have a fan here. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I'm a fan of. I mean, I think I'm a fan of. Like po- like no before pre pre presidential whatever it is, <laughs> but like um, now I'm just like obviously now I'm just like ah Trump man, but then not before like pre pre um, presidential elections and all that I was like um, I-, I thought he was really good. The autobiography is amazing. Like besides like and he said he was gonna be you know he actually predicted he was gonna be president like way back and he said he how he was gonna do it. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he did it. It's crazy. It's crazy. Well, it's kind of crazy. Trump isn't the only guy that's uh, that's making a guest appearance in Portsmouth, as we have a, our guest, who, uh, you know, is a very interesting character. He has a very interesting story. I'll just give you a quick little rundown about his life. Um, he's 19 years old. No, he's not 19 years old. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, he's 20 years old. He hails all the way from Watford. Uh, apparently his neighbours with uh, Anthony Joshua. Not okay, neighbours with Anthony Joshua. Uh, there used to be boys back in the day. Uh, it's the like one it, and only like Josh Mark Walton. Hey, <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. Uh, how you doing, brother? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Anthony Joshua is from Watford, but he wasn't my neighbour. Oh, okay. My bad. It's my research. False. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you off. Uh, but yeah, just before we uh, get into why you're actually here. Can you just tell the listeners what you do and what you study? Yeah, uh, so I'm a first year and I study television and broadcasting. Um, oh, damn, I didn't know that. At the University of Portsmouth. You knew that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm at Harbour Church where I met you guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, took a gap year, did a bit of travelling, um, worked for a TV company, and that's kind of what sparked me to study TV as well. What were they called, that company? The company that I worked for was called All Stars. Kids Club, and it was like a children's television company that made content for uh, TBN. Trinity TBN, oh, that's, that's big, man. Yeah, that's, that's big. My mom always used to watch that. But TBN? Yeah. All our moms watched it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, that's the most reliable one, because they sound like weird ones. God Channel. God Channel's the weirdest <laughs> <laughs> I, knew, I knew you were thinking about it. No, God Channel's the weirdest one. I'm sorry. God Channel. But yeah, um, could you also just talk about your childhood, like growing up? How was that for you in Watford? Or was it? Yeah, it was Watford. Yeah. So I, I live just out... Well, I live... In like around Watford area, uh, in a town called Chorleywood, um, it was good. I went to a sc- like primary school and secondary school like in the local area, so I was able to walk to school. Yeah. Um, uh, my best mates lived just down the hill, so I live on top of the hill. So my best mates lived at the bottom of the hill, so it's pretty sweet for kind of being with them. But I was always like brought up in a church. My parents, both my parents are Christians. They both they weren't originally, right. but when they they both moved. One from Manchester, one from Plymouth, and met in London, and they met at the church, um, okay. which is where they became Christians and obviously went on to get married. But um, yeah, I've been going to the church all my life. Right. Um, but by age 13, 14, I made that commitment to. Okay. Like, for myself. Interesting. Okay. So, so when you were in high school, um, how was it like being a Christian? And then I'm, I'm assuming that your environment wasn't quite a lot of Christians there. So yeah. how was it like merging the two? So my primary school was like a Christian school, it was just like a C of E school. Right. Um so that kinda had like school hymns and stuff. And yeah. Oh, yeah. But it, it was it was still kinda like trying to be modern with it all. So okay, it was okay, but it wasn't like the coolest thing to be a Christian. And then secondary school I was like I was cool, I had a few um like friends who were Christians as well, so I could kinda stick with them. Um but yeah, it wasn't the wasn't the norm. So there were scenarios which were difficult, especially like later on in the school life, like playing football and stuff, the yeah. culture that comes with the football team, um, like the the partying and stuff that comes in yeah. the later years is <laughs> difficult one to tackle as a Christian. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's. I mean, it really is hard, I guess, especially like 
when you're especially in a team environment because hmm. you know it's supposed to build bonds like hang out you know party and then like obviously there's some things that you can and can't do hmm. um how how do you maneuver that because i know you also have that kind of thing izzy with your um university appointment football team yeah no it's hard it's hard when you're in an environment full of um non-christians and what their lifestyle is completely different to yours um i guess one advice that helped me is to always stay true to myself and never deviate from um, my actual purpose not getting lost in the source mm-hmm. per se mm-hmm. um and what about you is that how you kind of dealt with it as well yeah i think um because i had my friends that were kind of I didn't play football with a lot of my friends, like they weren't in the same teams as I was. Mm. But because I had them, kind of at the same school and like in the same club and like that kind of social environment, they could kind of keep me accountable. So I was always kind of aware, right. not that I was being watched, but like that there were people who were kind of around. Got you, me. Got you know, I wasn't being me if I wasn't being me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was kind of that was quite cool to kind of have them, kind of check up on me and kind of keep me accountable. But um, yeah, it wasn't always easy, and. Yeah, I didn't necessarily learn the hard way. Yeah. To that standing out and being different isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. But I definitely learned lessons for myself. I see. No, I get that. I get that. And then um, you moved on to sixth form. Mm-hmm. Was was sixth form like a big jump from uh, from high school? Yeah, sixth form was sick. Oh, you um, enjoyed it. I love sixth form. We yeah. got a lot of hairs of sixth form from our previous kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Nah, sixth form for me was the best couple of years of my life. Really? Really? Yeah. What I, made it, what made up it up so good? Up until that stage. I've had better years since, but... Yeah. What, um, made, what made it so good? I don't know. So studying subjects that I actually wanted to study. Um, the freedom. I was treated more like an adult than a student and like a, a child. Mm. The teachers That's just true, give you a bit more respect. Yeah, yeah that is true. Um... It was, yeah, it was just good. It was good. And then uh, did you also... Were you in a relationship during sixth form? Did that add to your kind of happiness? Yeah, I uh, when I was in upper sixth form... Right. Uh, so my final year at school... So about 16, 17? Uh, 17. 17, 17 going 18. Right. Um, yeah, I got in a relationship with a girl. Shout out, shout out. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no. <laughs> He's like, no, it's fine. <laughs> She knows who she is. <laughs> <laughs> was, she a, was she a Christian? Uh, yeah, she okay. was a Christian. Um, I sh- yeah, she was a Christian. Her family went to church and everything. I think there were a few differences in the way that we kind of viewed our faith. For me, it was more like it, um, my faith kind of defines who I am and that was my lifestyle type thing, whereas for her, it was more just something she did on a Sunday with the family. Okay, kind of, so it wasn't as deep. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, it probably meant a little bit less right. to her, but she still would say she had a faith and we... Mm. It, it, we did have like good chats about it and stuff, but ultimately that was one of the fundamental reasons why it didn't end. The, the reason that it did end. It was one of the reasons. There were a few, but yeah. one of the main reasons was that. But did you guys end on good terms? or? Yeah, great terms. We're still good friends. I think that's rare to find out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, when relationships end in good terms where you're still talking to each other to mm. this day. Yeah. I think we didn't... It was hardest... It was harder when we when we broke up because we didn't end up hating each other. Yeah, of course. It was almost like I wish she'd done something, you know, that made me just hate her. Oh, yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Because then, you know, the heart rate kind of get easy going. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, we. Ended oh, what, were you were you heartbroken? Yeah, I felt a little pain, bro. I was like, oh. <laughs> wow, so you're heartbroken just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's all right, you can save your chest, bro. You can save your chest. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, this was right. I was, I was. And uh, we were together for nearly a year, and uh, yeah, it, yeah, it was difficult. Okay. Right? And like, how did you, like, I know, I know, I know it's a bit uncomfortable now. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> you get the window. <laughs> You're in a different state. Um, I had a my my closest mate who I'm still good friends with now. Um, yeah. He also had been through some a breakup. He'd been with his girlfriend for three years and he'd broken up with with her. So he'd been through some pretty rough times. So it was quite nice to have him know how I was feeling. Mm. Um, but yeah, m- mostly it was just kind of. Taking each day as it comes. Yeah. Is, I mean, I think literally, yes, that's, person, that's all you can do. Sometimes. Got to deal yeah. with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, and now obviously you're single. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of your kind of type for a girl now, 
has that kind of changed from your experience? Uh, no, it hasn't changed from my experience. Okay, because um, I was thinking that you'd go for more someone who's got uh, kind of a deeper faith. Oh, now. right. Um, yeah, so I would, I would, something I learned from going out with my ex-girlfriend was that faith for me is actually something that I might not be able to, might not be able to, might not be able to get over if they don't have it. Mm. Um, I always thought, you know, I, I could be that guy who, could He's like, crazy. Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't matter. They're not yeah. Christian now. I could be mm. the one who kind of got into it, and I, I tried that, and actually, it just wore away at me, and kind of cut away at my faith. That I ended up in a place where my faith was worse than it was before, mm. and for someone to influence someone to Christ, mm. your faith needs to be at a pretty strong level, and I, I wasn't at that level. Okay. So I would definitely prioritize having a Christian faith. I see. No, that's good, man. And then um, bringing it back to sixth form, what were your plan, uh, plans? Ooh. Ooh. Plans. Oh. <laughs> oh what were your plans for um, after sixth form? <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> my plans for. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, when I left sixth form, I never thought I was going to come to uni. Oh, you didn't? No. So, um,. In upper sixth form, I was part of an agency, a football agency, um, which was kind of help people on the track to not become professional footballers, but get you into um, like uh, football universities okay. like yeah. in America. Scholarships, kind of. Scholarships, that's yeah. right. So um, I was offered a, a couple of scholarships in America, in California, um, and one of them I accepted in Whittier, so in South California, mm-hmm. um, and it was a month before I was meant to leave and they lowered the scholarship from 80% to 60% which meant that I couldn't then afford the fees Whoa. because the fees for international students are massive right, like, yeah. so at 80% it made it kind of a little bit bearable mm. but at 60% I couldn't afford it so now I was kind of like back to the drawing board I hadn't really prepared for like anything else because yeah. that was kind of my f- first choice and so um, took a gap year I'd already applied for universities in England but I wasn't really ever thinking about coming to them I was signed up at Portsmouth to do marketing just because they gave me unconditional so I was like yeah I'll just accept <laughs> it um, and then yeah I took a gap year got a bit of experience in marketing hated it so I changed to something that I knew I loved which was sports so I changed to sport and exercise science um, and then I didn't get ex- I didn't get more experience in that but it's very biolo- biological it's quite yeah. science-y yeah. Um, and I knew that that was not my strong point. Okay. Um, so I, as I mentioned earlier, I was working for a TV company. Just yeah. loved it. Yeah. So I was like, why not? You know, instead of making decisions based on what I think I might like, mm. why not go for something I know I like mm. and that I enjoy? So I changed to TV and broadcasting. Right. And uh, yeah. How's it been for you? It's been good. I really like it. It's a very practical degree, um, which kind of suits me because I'm not not smartest of guys. So it kind of it helps kind of be more practical instead of... And creative as well. Yeah, creative yeah, yeah. instead of being, like, brainy. Okay. Well, before you actually started first year, you had an interesting summer, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, just uh, tell... Like, just go into detail about what happened. Mm. So, I I had a gap year, like I said. Um, so, I spent the first six months working for this TV channel. Mm-hmm. And then I spent the next four, four months travelling. So, I worked at a school in Kenya for two months. Um, mm. I... Which is cool. I went to Australia for a month and saw some of my family out there. And then for the final month, I travelled through um, Indonesia and Southeast Asia with my sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the highlight of my trip. Right. It still is. It was like, the best you know, three weeks that I've ever had. It was amazing okay. seeing all the things I saw and experiencing what I did. Um, but yeah, right at the end of my like, trip, to uh, an island called uh, the Gili Islands, which is like a small island. They're kind of famous for being like small, untouched islands. There's no transport. There's no uh, like local authorities or police or anything like that. Um, we, I was involved in the biggest earthquake that they've had in Southeast Asia um, with my sister. So it was on the fifth of August. So my, it was the day before my sister's twenty-first birthday, and we had been scuba diving that day, and we went out for some some food for like in the evening. And uh, so we went onto like beachfront and we had some food and then we were walking back to our like hostel, like hotel area yeah. um, for the night. We were going to get like an early night um, before her birthday the next day. And we saw like this outside cinema 
type thing on the beach. So we were like, oh, I'll check that out. So we we got some drinks, we got some food, and we sat down at the cinema, and um, we were just watching like the, like, the adverts, and they were showing some like Britain's Got Talent, like Golden Buzzer, right? Or something like just right. in preparation for the um, for the the film, and uh, as we sat down. There was a 7.1 magnitude earthquake. Oh, damn, that's almost like that's really high because I think the highest is eight. Mm, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was pretty mad. Um, but the epicenter of the earthquake was five kilometers from where we were, um, in a place called Lombok, which is the island just next to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and not many people on the island who work there live there. Right. Um, most people just come here to work and then go home to Lombok. So. When the earthquake happened, the lo- the people who worked on the island all fled. So the local people fled to Lombok, where their families right. and stuff were, um, which is totally fair enough. But it then just left an island full of travellers and tourists oh, who man. didn't really know what to yeah. do with no local authorities in pitch black with no power oh. on an island that no one really knew anything about. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty scary. Um, and the way I, like, explain... Or, like, yeah, explain what an earthquake feels like is like really bad um, turbulence on an airplane or like going on the underground trains. Like you just are thrown about like without any control. Um, so it was literally, it'd gone from like a little island paradise to absolute chaos and carnage within seconds. And um, yeah, there was like screaming and stuff. The ground was moving, we could see the ground moving. And people were falling over and people were getting hurt. And obviously, Hotels were falling down. That's crazy. That is um, crazy. Because you were seeing this. Yeah. So it was literally right. happening in front of us. Um, so Ella and I, my sister and I, crouched and kind of um, like huddled together for for a bit until the ground stopped shaking. Yeah. Um, and then eventually it stopped shaking, and the next problem was a tsunami. Um, the embassies released a urgent warning for a tsunami um, for our where we were. And obviously there's nothing that we can do on an island that is typically known for being small. There's nothing we can do. There's nowhere we can go that will make us safe from a tsunami. There's no high ground. There's no, you know, inland area as such. So we just had to wait um, and kind of wait it out until the the warning kind of faded down. Mm -hmm. And that was four hours. So Ella and I and a load of other tourists on this beach um, waited for four hours, kind of panicking together. kind of expecting the next big thing to be a tsunami. Really? Yeah. I've never... Yeah, I've never thought I was going to die before. Oh. And that... That um, was it? That was the first time I've ever considered that I might I might die. Damn. Damn, man. That is... That is deep. That's, that's deep. crazy, because, like, yeah, obviously you, you saw an earthquake. You saw the um, the impact that it had. And then you know normally if an earthquake comes, a tsunami, being by the beachfront... So you were literally thinking this could be it. Yeah, exactly that. We were helpless mm. on that beach. There was nothing we could do. There was nothing... There was no one telling us what we should do. And, yeah, it was just... Yeah, the scariest thing I've ever had in my life. But you didn't die. No. Shout out to Shout out to Jesus. <laughs> So yeah, so what, what happened? What happened after that? So um, Ella and I, where, where we were, there were a few like tables and stuff. Cause there was an outside buffet. Mm-hmm. Um, there was obviously this big screen. There were some beanbags on the beach. So where we were quickly became like a hub for um, people and tourists to kind of mm. kind of centre to and gravitate to. So there quickly became a lot of people on this little bit of beach. Um, all going through the same thing. So that was quite nice, kind of being surrounded by people going through the same thing. Um, and we found some other English-speaking people. We found uh, an English-speaking family um, who were there on their family holiday, and we kind of just stayed with them. And there were a few people who went back into this crumbled hotel and grabbed some, like, um, towels and some, um, like, bed sheets to kind of keep people warm, because whilst it is Southeast Asia and it is hot during the day, it's cold at night and it's really windy being on the coast so it was very quickly very cold so they some people brought out some like provisions to keep people warm like the old elderly and um the young the younger people yeah. um and then Ella and I ended up getting some a bit later on getting some towels and stuff to keep us warm and we laid some like tables down to kind of break the wind from like hitting us mm-hmm. um and then we slept the night on that beach 
Really? Whilst, yeah, whilst over 300 aftershocks happened. So aftershocks are literally like um, 1.0 magnitude earthquakes. Okay. So it's basically just like another earthquake happening, mm. but it's a little bit um, less serious. Mm. But every time there's an, after- an aftershock, you think it could be another, yeah, 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 another yeah. earthquake. So, um, yeah, that was a, a pretty crazy night, really. And then we wake up... I mean, did you even see? Did you fall asleep, bro? Uh, yeah, you couldn't, surely. No, it was it was strange because it was the most emotionally draining thing I've ever been through. Okay. Because, like, I've obviously, you you can't. Yeah, you're on high alert, like even when all night. you are safe like this, you can't think. What would I do if I was gonna die? Mm. You there's not you don't know how what you'd do, and I didn't know what I'd do, and um, so yeah, the high alert the whole time. Yeah. Even though I know that if a tsunami comes, there's nothing I can do. Yeah. You know, you're still sitting on the beach watching the sea, kind of yeah. like waiting for it to come and attack you. So, uh, yeah, I didn't really sleep, and it was freezing. Um, so we we woke up with the sun, which is quite early, and then everyone just tried to flee the island to get to Lombok, which is where the epicenter was, but it's also where the um, airport is. Mm. So people just wanted to get away from yeah. the area. Um, so Ella and I kind of went towards the harbour area, and it was just absolute chaos. So we. Um, went to the scuba diving centre where we'd been the day before mm-hmm. and we were scheduled to do dive again that day um, and they basically just said don't go just to, Lombok. to Lombok yeah they said just stay here until things calm down in Lombok because they were the scuba diving company were the only people who had a boat because all the locals had left the island yeah. so the scuba diving company were the only people taking people over to Lombok to get planes and where they were dropping them in Lombok there were no taxis to take them to the airport because all the taxi drivers were with their families okay. um, that had been affected yeah, just yeah. as much as anything else. So, um, yeah, they were like, just stay here. It was literally like, you know, like Margaret Kamsi you see on the news and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was literally like that over in over in Lombok. So they told us to stay. So, you know, the only bit of information we had was to stay. So we decided to stay mm-hmm. um, until the very end. So we stayed there the whole day. We didn't eat. We had a bit of water and then... At about five o'clock, um, there's about forty of us left in the island, and uh, they had there was one boat journey left going over to Lombok, mm-hmm. um, and Ella overheard the guy who was kind of like overseeing the scuba diving company say to a big group of people, "Can you go to Lombok? Can you get on the boat and go to Lombok? Um, because if you stay, it's more people for us to be responsible for." Mm-hmm. Which is kind of fair enough, mm-hmm. um, but we looked at the boat. There were only two spaces left, so that group decided not to get on the boat. And Ella and I decided to kind of yeah. just run and try and catch that boat. Yeah. So we kind of went against our, the, the information that we were told, but it was kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing and a God-led decision that made us get on that boat and essentially, effectively saved our lives. Because yeah. um, we were last on the boat, meant we were first off, and you know, by some miracle, they didn't drop us, the boat didn't drop us at the area where they'd set up all the camps mm. and stuff, they'd, they dropped us at a random location on the edge of a beach, which had no, not, they, had, they had nothing. But because we were last on the boat, we were first off. So as we're walking up the beach, where there's no one really, we were expecting to see carnage, and mm-hmm. we walk on this peaceful beach. I'm fronted by this guy, and then the Indonesian chap goes, are you Joe, are you Joe? I was like, I'm not Joe. And, uh, <laughs> that was me, I'm like, yeah, that's, I'm Joe. <laughs> I was like, two letters wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, he was like, I'm looking for Joe. And basically, Joe was on one of the other Gili Islands um, and his wife had been injured. So she, they had basically called for a private taxi, paid a load of money to get this mm. car to take them to the hospital when they got over. Um, but he brought a 16-man car for just Joe and his wife. Um, so when Joe did finally arrive, Ella and I kind of spoke to him. We're like, the airport's on the way. and mm. um, So they dropped us off at the airport um, on their way along with a load of other people mm-hmm. as well so um, yeah it's just a, a load of amazing events took place yeah, just very convenient yeah. yeah and um, we were at the we were at the airport that night and they weren't doing boat trips from Gilly Island for the next day so there was you had to stay two nights on that island again oh, oh man and so because they had to like restock on petrol and stuff so Ella and I now get in this car with Joe dropped off at the airport and we kind of settled down at the airport one step closer to home and uh, yeah, that night there was another seven point two magnitude earthquake underneath the Gili Islands, which is where we would have been. Really? Yeah. Wow. Seven point two. That's even worse. Yeah. Oh wow, dude! Something's like you guys like left in the middle of time, man. Yeah. Like that decision really just like yeah. like what she said saved your lives. Yeah, literally. 
That's so crazy. It's one of those things that, you know, people say, like, oh, how on earth can you be in an earthquake? See what you saw. Like, see, you know, I've seen things that, you know, I wish I hadn't seen. Mm. And, yeah, experience something that I wish I never had experienced. And people were like, oh, how can you still be a Christian after that? How can you believe mm. in God? And I was like, literally, if you hear the amazing sequence of events that yeah. got me yeah. to come home, then you would realise that it's either an unreal amount of coincidence or there's some sort of God in that situation. Yeah. And that is, yeah. Now, for amazing. real, that's a crazy story. That is crazy. Because literally, like you said, in the nick of time, you mm. made that out. Mm. Um, in general, how did that whole kind of experience like what did it teach you? Um, what did you get from it? Yeah, obviously, that type of going through that can't not affect you really. Mm. I um, I'm a lot more grateful. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just to be alive. Yeah, <laughs> like, every, every morning I'm like, yo, God, cheers for another day. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, I'm more grateful. Um, I don't know. It's, there's just it's it just changes your perspective. It changes everything, really. Mm. Um, yeah, just living and experiencing a situation where I survive and lots of people didn't, and I come back to England and my home is fine. But for the reality for a lot of people in Indonesia, it's like their homes are still struggle. Yeah, their family members are still dead or injured. Yeah, it's yeah that can't not affect the way you think and face things, really. Did it, like, traumatise you seeing or knowing that there were dead people, like, around you? Mm, yeah, for sure. I, um, for a while, really struggled, struggled like, talking about it. I wouldn't talk about it for a while. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I think I've never been in a situation where I'd seen a lot of dead people <laughs> or I'd seen mass destruction on that level. No, man. And like just people hobbling around with all sorts of injuries and stuff and yeah it was bizarre how an island that was so beautiful literally on this perfect holiday that I'm on mm. could literally take such a turn for the worse it's crazy but during the whole kind of uh, journey did you always sense that God was with you along the way mm. apart from maybe that one time when you when you thought to yourself that this might be it mm. even then it I never yeah, being with my sister was amazing. She's she's pretty strong in her faith herself. Mm. And um, she, she was like, obviously we were both really shaken when yeah. it first happened. Kind of, she couldn't sit down. She didn't want to sit down because she didn't trust the ground we were standing on. Yeah. Um, so we stood up and we kind of just like hugged each other for those four hours that we had expecting the earthquake. Yeah. That's, what you, that's what you know siblings are for life. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, your bond with your sister must have been so much closer after yeah, that whole experience. For real. Yeah, it's mad. And in those, like, four hours, we're literally just singing worship songs. Really? Yeah. You got to work. You got to work. <laughs> you got to nothing else. It was, it was just one of those things where we literally had nothing else. Mm. And, you know, our lives could be taken from us at any stage. And, you know, how do you want to go out if you do? And that was, that was what we were that's doing. Like one, that's yeah. like, um, you know, in the Bible, I don't know if it's Romans, but all, all I know is just the story of Paul <laughs> when he's in the, in the jail. He's yeah. in jail, right? And obviously he's like, you know, they could just chill and just be like, oh, damn, like, it's done. Mm-hmm. And they, they all decided to sing um, worship songs for how long, they, for I don't know how long. Mm-hmm. And then God just opened the gates. And, mm. You know what I mean? It's like one of those, like, you guys sing worship songs, then the next day it's like, oh. God still got you. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. stuff out of the situation. Mm. It's crazy. So, like, did that whole experience um, not only make you value your life, but, like, lives in general? Yeah. Um... It just made me realise how precious life is. Mm. You know, take nothing like that I could take nothing for granted in day to day life. Yeah. Because I was in a safe place. It's not it's not dangerous. There's no um you know, there are areas in the world, yeah. you know, Syria for example, where there's loads of war, there's lots of destruction like that. I was in Southeast Asia, you know, beautiful sunny weather. Yeah. Scuba dive. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Life. I've got nothing to worry about. And all of a sudden, it all it all changes, and so yeah, of course, it, you everything's precious, and um, yeah, can't take anything for granted. That's what that's, that's what got me from your story is that the fact that literally twenty four hours before you were having the time of your life, mm. like literally scuba diving, enjoying time with your sister, mm. happiness, and then the next day the complete opposite happened. Mm. 
Yeah. And that's how like that's how life is sometimes. Mm. So yeah, you're right. Like your story has made me value life um a lot more now. Yeah. Not just mine, but like people in general. No, it's crazy. Um I actually funny enough I was like um having coffee with a few friends before um this podcast and I was telling them about this incident I had in South Africa where um I was on this plane and it was supposed to take off, right? And um basically it was the you know when you're on the runway and now it's like starting to gain speed and then it kinda just slowed down. And pulled off into like the emergency bay, really? and they were like, "Yo, uh, sorry, there's a there's a door that's refusing to lock. We're just gonna fix it." And I'm oh. there like, "Wow, like <laughs> that's interesting, man." Like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, "Okay, so am I am I just waiting to die here?" Like, <laughs> I was just sitting in the chair, like, "Wait, am I am I waiting to die here?" And then um, and then finally we I got on the uh, we just we left right, and but that whole flight I was like looking out the window like, and I was sitting right by the wing, right, and I was like. This is this is weird, and I kept on looking at that emergency door. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, this thing's not about to open. Like I said. <laughs> and I think it's like experiences like that. It's like realize like how much, like when I was on that plane. Obviously, I, I think I was overreacting because um, everyone, like the pilot, was like, you know, we're going back up. Don't worry, whatever. And the fact that they were gonna go back up means they were sure like nothing was gonna happen. But um, even then, it was just, it, you kind of just in God's hand, right? Literally, mm-hmm. just sitting in God's hand, like, mm-hmm. and there's nothing you can do but just be like, okay, fine. You can see me on your hand, mm. you know what I mean? Just, you know, protect my life. Exactly, mm. man. And how are you currently using your experience in terms of impacting others? Good question. It's, I don't know if there's, like, one thing that I could say that because of the earthquake I'd do differently, but maybe just the way that I am, the way that I approach situations and, like, the day. Yeah. Just the way that I face a day could be... I don't know if it affects anyone, but if the experience that I had has changed the way that I am, mm-hmm. and if the way that I am changes anyone, then so be it. No, I I feel like just you telling your story is already impacting yeah. others. So like the listeners who maybe don't value their life right now, um, which actually is a good segue to my next question, which is how can we as as Christians kind of make people real realize that their life is indeed indeed valuable um how can we say that again how can we help people realize that their lives are indeed valuable because like there's some people out there that like they wake up and then they do the same thing over again and like they don't feel like they live a special life like there's no meaning behind their life Mm. how can we kind of reassure them that hold up there's a purpose to Mm. I think without trying to sound like motivational or anything, yeah. there is that story behind everyone, isn't there? Yeah. Everyone's got their own story. And whether you've been through something like major that totally changes your life, totally changes your perspective and the way you face your day, or whether you've, you know, had a pretty standard, you know, day to day life where you haven't had a massive experience like that, I think whatever it is that you've gone through has made you who you are mm. and I don't think you need to have a massive experience to make you have an influence on someone mm. um, I often think like watching people and listening to people at church and stuff the best the best speakers the best preachers the people who have the biggest influence on me have the best testimonies have the biggest you know God moments yeah. when, when really it's not that's not always the case yeah. and in in the normal is where God is just as much as in the yeah, in the extreme. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's fine. That's true. That is true. Yeah, that's a good story, man. And uh, some good answers as well. There's another segment now that we call Questions from Fans. Nice. Last time I called it Fans from Questions, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll ignore that. So the first one is from Johnny, who is from Heaven. He asks, um, <laughs> currently in a relationship... <laughs> currently in a relationship with a non-Christian and it is going amazingly well. Only problem is that we're unable to talk or connect on a deeper faith level. But apart from that, it is great. Should I continue or stop the relationship? This this fits kind of your situation a little bit. It's deep. It's not for me to say stop or keep going with the relationship. What advice would you give? What advice I would give would be if your faith is taking a hit because of a relationship that you're in, it's not worth it. And, like, sometimes it can... Like, you, you're going through, like, waves, don't you, obviously? It's not yeah. always, like... You're not always at the highest level of your faith at like, all times. Mm-hmm. Um, that's 
in a relationship or not in a relationship. But um, ultimately for me, I got to a stage where I knew that I wasn't, not necessarily the same person as I was before, but I knew that my faith was consistently being challenged in a way that was kind of making me doubt myself and mm. my faith, that I got to a stage where I was like, something has to change. Mm. And it's either the faith or the relationship, and for me, yeah, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I feel like if it's not helping your relationship with God in terms of improving, um, and it was doing the opposite, you should definitely rethink the mm. relationship. Yeah. But he said as well that he... He's um, unable to talk. To um, yeah, unable to talk. I think that's something that, um, for a while, I struggled with as well. Was it like, oh, how was church? Yeah, it was good, whatever. Put it aside, kind of de- yeah. answer the question, but not really answer the question. Mm. Um, just step out. Yeah. Like, people are interested in what actually happens at church. Yeah, that's so, true. That is so true. Like, even even how I found it, like, in uni, um, when I, sometimes, like, I remember this one week we had, like, these deadlines. I was, like, deadline after deadline. And um, we'll be in the library on a Sunday. And, um, obviously, um, church starts at 6 p.m. So I'll be like, oh, guys, I'm about to go church at 6, come back at 8. Like, bro, you're going to go, like, dude, you got a deadline. I'm like, yeah, but I got to get prayers in, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay, fine. Um, so, wait, how, how does it work? Like, are you, you going to pray for us? Then I'm like, yeah, I'm going to pray for you guys. Don't worry. And they're like, oh, cool, cool, cool. Then I'll go to work. church, then I come back. <laughs> And then, and then they'll be like, oh, did you, did you pray for us? Oh, thank you, Tess. I'm like, and I'm like yo, these, these are like proclaimed atheists. Like, they, they've told me, like, I am an atheist, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. But they they still, like, curious, like, when we're chilling, they'll be like, oh, so did you go to church this week? And I'm like, yeah, I went to church. I was like, how is it? I'm like, it's, it's good, it's good. <laughs> you want to come? You want to come through? But, yeah, I, th- I feel like people are interested more. They're interested in, um, in God more, more than we think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we need to take it. Quite seriously, because I feel like, especially in this day and age, everyone's heard about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, yeah. It's really hard to meet a person that's like, oh, you know, I've never really encountered, like, you know, I've never, well, who's Jesus? Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Everyone knows Jesus. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Everyone's looking for something, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Purpose. Yeah, yeah. Purpose. That's it. Yeah. Well, there you go, Johnny. Um, Jerome from Blixton asks, <laughs> what is the point of a gap year and can I use it just to slack off? Sure. That is a very interesting question, I can't lie. <laughs> um, for me, a gap came. I was never massively academic, so mm. time outside of education was, was pretty um, appealing. Um, I had things that I wanted to do, like travel, and this was a good time to do it. Um, there aren't many times in life when you can just take a year out and do what you want. Um, I was lucky enough to be able to stay at home, so... If that's your situation, I I made the most of that and mm. um, yeah worked and then got some experience. I'd say it's worth it for me. I would be sat here doing marketing. Yeah, <laughs> not too happy <laughs> if I didn't take my gap year. But I would have also not experienced the earthquake. But maybe that would have. You honestly, your your life so far, I just feel like God's just using it because mm. the way it's all lining up, it's yeah. just it's no mm. coincidence why He didn't choose some things and. Something's mm. gonna happen for you, mm. yeah. Um, but yeah, Jerome, I would say like be productive. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Don't just like stay at home, yeah, with, yeah. like playing games and that. Mm. I feel like cause we really slack off anyways when we're not supposed to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how much do you want to slack off? You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, this is from an anonymous person. They didn't want to be um, mentioned. Why are you picking up the phone? <laughs> this guy's like this anonymous person. Like these guys. we're not gonna see the name. <laughs> uh, I keep on having recurring dreams of my girlfriend cheating on me. But in real life, it's all sweet. Do you think I should address this with her or ignore the dreams? Damn. Damn. I know, right? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I can't say I experienced that. <laughs> um, I mean, if it is affecting you mentally, I feel like why not air it? I mean, recurring dreams, though. Yeah. Yeah, but if it's yeah, no, you have to address yeah, it. Yeah, address it. With her. Oh, yeah, you know what? I think I think you should talk about it. Yeah, I think so. Or oh, just have normal conversations. Yeah, because you'd be you'd be stressing on your own. You know, and um, she thinks everything is fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, like, the worst thing where, like... Um, and, of course, it, she's not cheating by herself. There's someone in the dream mm-hmm. that she's cheating with. And, um, obviously, if it's recurring, it might be a recurring person as well. Mm. And uh, whoever it is, if it's a friend or not, like, uh, maybe someone who's threatening to him. Um, mm-hmm. And he's, like... And now, like, he keeps on having dreams about 
whoever this person is or you know and it's kind of like oh damn like um i don't i i, I trust my girlfriend but whenever maybe they're around each other or you know it kind of like triggers me a bit or affects me mm. and now it's playing out into my dreams now now like when i go to sleep like i guess like the worries kind of like affecting my sleep and mm. now i have dreams about this and i feel like you should talk to i just think you should talk to her it's like at least um if you're trying to figure it out on your own at least she can give you the reassurance mm. that, yeah you know it, um i'm i'm with you um and that's what it is like yeah. you know because once you once you start like trying to figure it out on your own, like it's game over. Yeah, you, you just stress yourself out. The doubts. Yeah, exactly. Anymore. And now because you're having that dream, let's say this person that this your girlfriend is cheating with, whenever they come around, mm, it's like, now, now you're like on high alert because you just have been having recurring dreams. So now you think it's like something spiritual when it's just you really stressing out. Yeah, you know. And so like I think you need it's a conversation to be had. Yeah, definitely have have that conversation. I would say. I mean, it's easier said than done. I would say. Yeah, but definitely address it. You can't yeah. just leave it. You can't. You can't leave it. If everything's right. sweet, I mean, it's not gonna yeah, it's destroy not gonna true, 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 true. <clears throat> All right. Um, Lucy from Eastbourne asks. Good area, Eastbourne. <laughs> Currently in year nine, and recently gave my life to Jesus. Nice. However, the people in my school are very judgmental, and I'm not sure whether I can tell some of my friends about what happened to me. Any advice? Can you read it again. Sorry. Currently in year nine and recently gave my life to Jesus. However, the people in my school are, are very judgmental and I'm not sure whether to tell them about what happened. Mm. Um, I think live by example mm. is something that I would like to have told myself a while ago. No one's ever become a Christian through losing an argument, really. Have they? Yeah. No one's ever, like really change their mind because they lost an argument hmm. people have you know people change their mind change perspective in the way they think through seeing something in you that they want a piece of and if that is something that can if, if the way that you live is the way that you can prompt someone to ask you questions or um, for them to see something different in you then then try to do that obviously don't like I wouldn't change dramatically like who you are yeah. And like be a totally different person. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's maybe a time and place for that, but um, I just say live by example. And ultimately, as a Christian, there is something different in us, mm. and there is something in us that other people will see and will want when they see it. Yeah. So live by example, and the rest will follow. Yeah, I agree. I feel like um, people are afraid to be the odd one out. Mm. And it's like, Jesus was the oddest one out. Mm. So why would you not want to be happy to be the odd one out? Mm. Um, and I, obviously I understand that in secondary school it's a very judgmental environment and people always choose something to pick. Mm. But that should not make you stop wanting to kind of exclaim your faith because that is who you, who you are, really. Yeah. And why would you be ashamed of that? Yeah, so when I first came to uni, I met this... I met this guy, um, he was pretty cool, and like, we were both into football, he was a bit of a boy, and like, we were getting on well, mm -hmm. and something came up, like a question came up or something, and the answer that I would have had if it was any other situation would have been, yeah, like, something about church, something, yeah. something that would obviously make it clear to him that I was a Christian, yeah. and um, the first thing I did, it was a bit. Was, it was a bit odd, actually. In hindsight, it was a bit strange what I did because I literally just said to him, "Yo, you know I'm a Christian." Um, <laughs> so, so that was kind of a bit of a weird way of saying it. But like, he just got it out there. Yeah. And he, he didn't care. Like, At all. No. Like he was like he didn't even try and make it look like he didn't care. He just didn't. Mm. <laughs> didn't care. Mm. But like, a lot of people. Like when you are that person who thinks, "Oh, should I tell them? Should I not?" Mm -hmm. You think like, oh, if I tell them, they'll like totally reject me. Mm. In some cases, that happens, but in the majority of cases, people, yeah, people. Maybe it's a bit harsh to say people don't care because people do care, but I don't think it affects other people as much as you think yeah. it will. Yeah, I feel I, like I feel like people play like a like a video in their heads. Mm. Of course, you know, what, of a thousand and one scenarios. Yeah, and I'm like, why don't you play the good scenario? Yeah, <laughs> you know, everyone's worried about like. I was gonna blow up in my face, but I'm like, you know, you can actually think of a very good scenario that yeah, could happen, yeah. and some, and even if it doesn't happen, you know, at least you know that it's off my chest. You know mm. what I mean? I at least I have nothing to hide anymore. Yeah, especially you know your faith I mean? as well. Yeah. Such a big part, like yeah, because that changes your whole lifestyle. Right? Yeah, and if and especially if your friends do things that you don't want to do anymore because you have your faith, right? Mm. It's easier to just say like, 
you, you know you know it now yeah. I am a Christian and mm. that's why I don't like doing this anymore yeah. and sometimes that can actually positively impact others mm. without you realising mm. so yeah I would say Lucy uh, hang in there and don't be ashamed alright last question this is anonymous as well um, right. my parents are tradition, traditional and cultural African parents and they would never allow me to be in, a, in an interracial relationship my boyfriend is white and we've been together in secret for six months. Wow. Do you think I should cut it now before my parents find out or continue to see each other in secret? <laughs> that is so crazy. Um, Not that she's going out with, with the white guy. That just that yeah, yeah, don't worry. Um, <laughs> Wait. I'm not worried. <laughs> oh my God. No, um, do you know what? Do you know what? It's a bit of a sticky one. Because, like, I've... Not from experience, but I know that when parents get involved in your relationships, especially early on, it can kind of mess it up. Yeah. So, I'm not sure if telling them, knowing what the reaction would be so soon, would be a good idea. Maybe get some experience, so that when you do tell your parents, it's like, look, I genuinely do love her, I'm thinking about making her my wife. And then they'll be a bit more lenient understanding. Um... But yeah, like love is love. Like, why should your race kind of? Yeah, get it's not in the like different colors gonna change different like mindsets. I know these like cultural differences and stuff, but like, love is love. Yeah, patience is patience. Kindness is kindness. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't change because now I'm like black. You know? I yeah. think I think it's more for the parents, though, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. The parents are they, they, um, they don't. I understand. think uh, I think like, um, funny enough, my dad told me he's like you know sometimes like he told me like because. Um, <laughs> Funny enough, like we thought that my mom would be cool when it came to relationships, but it turned out she wasn't. But so, um, so my dad actually, because we were all freaked out when we found out that like, she was kind of like a little shaky about like me dating seriously, dating seriously. Mm-hmm. So when it was like flimsy, like crushes, she didn't mind. She thought it was cute. She'd ask like, "Oh, who's that?" You know. But when like no, when serious. I got into it seriously, she was like, "Oh, uh, all right then." <laughs> so um, and so it was actually my dad who was like, um, he told me because I kept on telling him like, I don't know why she's tripping. You know, um, uh, it's not like I came home with a baby, you know, it's not like I'm doing madness in uni, you know, it's yeah. like, um, but um, he basically told me, you know, get people who will support you, mm. especially at the start of like, it's not like, you know, it's like if you, if you, um, you don't just leave a baby with anyone, you know, if you had a baby, you're not going to leave it with some, some guy you just met or like, I'm not saying that your parents obviously is not some guy you just met, but you're going to get you know, people who really, like, nurture this baby and, like, make it the best, you know, person, you know, eventually when the baby grows up, you know. And, like, it's the same thing with the relationship. Uh, especially at a very, you know, early stage. It's very fragile. You don't want to, like, you know, make it take really great hits at, a, at an early point because, you know, you need that support system. And um, I think if you know that your parents are not going to be able to support you, um... I know, I know, like, especially for, you know, black people. Actually, let me not say that. I don't know what's like for white people. <laughs> but, like, I know, people, like, parents in general, everyone loves their parents. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, oh, you know, they were with me since I was born. Literally, she gave birth to me, helped me, like, for nine months. You know, people be like, oh, but they have to know about my relationship. But the truth is, they're already happily married. Mm-hmm. They found their soulmate, right? If you don't find your soulmate, it's you struggling, not mm-hmm. them. You know what I mean? If you leave the boyfriend that you love for someone else that you don't really love, you're the one struggling. They're going to be happily married until the day they die. You know what I mean? And you're the one kind of like figuring out like, oh, but I really like this guy and I only changed because of them. But they are all right. Yeah. You know, and that's how I thought about it. I was like, dude, like, if I if if I listen to the same my mom, whenever the teacher told me, oh, this was like, she's got my dad. She's yeah. she's already found the guy that she wants. Yeah. You know what I mean? If if I marry someone that I'm not pleased, I'm not, I'm not happy with, it's affecting me, not mm. them. No, that's true. It's true. Like you said, like, love is love. It's like, you only get one real shot at it in terms of finding your soulmate so why would you leave that in the the hands of your parents yeah yeah any final comments on that one on that question no I feel something pretty well (laughs) (laughs) alright lastly something that we talked about before kind of a little bit Love Island (laughs) Uh, (laughs) season 5 is back there's been two episodes so far um, how do we feel about the the people in the in the villa? Lucy to win, yeah. Lucy to win. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Controversial. Um, um, I think she was pretty realistic. Yeah. You think so? Yeah. You think with, with um, what's it called, Tom? Wavy hair. 
Joe? Joe? Joe. Joe. Yeah. Lucy and Joe. Yeah. Yeah. All the way through. You think so? But so you think Tommy who's currently coupled up with Lucy. Tommy, what, Tyson Fury's brother? Yeah. Mm, when last? I I think so too. I feel like Lucy will sleep with Joe outside and then Tommy oh, okay. will sleep by, the, yeah. by himself tonight. Okay. Do yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of crazy because obviously, like, she might, I feel like she might get, like, lost in the sauce for a bit mm. and she'll realise, no, I actually... Joel's like actually like the guy. Yes. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think that'll happen. Might yeah. get lost in the muscles and then kind of like. <laughs> yeah, and then she's like, oh, no, like the skinny surfer dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's, actually quite, it's actually quite a peak because like um, when I watched Love Island, I realized, you know, sometimes like we're really judging like pretty girls and be like, oh, you know, ah, oh, no, they're trash, whatever. How can you just like. But I mean, like, you know, they got, they got options. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And just because like um, you don't have options, now you, they look like. Shady, right? <laughs> but <laughs> literally, because you don't have options, that are oh, they shady? They just going around. How could you, you know, Joel's just a nice guy, or whatever, whatever. But like, the truth is, like, sometimes it's hard. You know what I mean? Like when you got so many people, like you know, sometimes like I remember Spotify saying, but like, you know, you complaining like, oh, like you know, I can never cheat. I can never. You can. I can never t- cheat on my girl. I'm like you. No one's trying to tempt you. <laughs> you know. So I feel like it really opened my eyes. Like man, like I can't really be judging. Like Lucy, that much, you know, because like everyone's coming in and saying, "Oh, Lucy, Lucy, oh, Lucy's the one, Lucy." <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. I, if anything, I feel sorry for Joel, because like everyone wants his girl. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? But I feel like I feel like, uh, yeah, I'm I'm Team Joel, man. Yeah. And I feel I'm like you know Joel, my prediction is like Joel's gonna be a fan favorite, and Sharif as well. Yeah, Sharif is cool. Oh really? Yeah. I feel nice. like people are gonna be like, I I don't know. I feel I like, like the public in the fella. What's he called with the tattoos? Oh, Michael. Michael, Michael. the mixed race guy. I like him. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Um, I I'm not sure, but I feel about the Scottish guy though. I, I quite like him though. Really, I like him at because it's funny. Yeah, he's quite funny. He is, isn't I think that's he's quite Anthony. funny. Anthony. Yeah, his oh. name doesn't match his body, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. Don't <laughs> <laughs> that just the way he is? Yeah, yeah, no, it's a weird name. Big Scottish bodybuilder. Yeah. And his name is Anton. Anton. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it does actually. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. How I feel about the only black girl in the villa. Your one day. Um, I I feel personally like it's an attempt to show that Love Island is now you know, diverse. Yeah, they're trying to kind of appeal to the masses. Yeah, they're trying to accommodate everyone. They got a black guy in there. They got a black guy. I'm talking about girls. Yeah. Yeah, just thank you so much for telling uh, us about your story. I used to work at the earthquake and uh, coming on the podcast. It's been your boy Izzy. It's been your boy Tess. We'll catch you guys soon. Yes,